Hello, everybody. Welcome to a moment of science, please. Uh, if you're here from our social media and know that these podcasts are designed to discuss research at UFD, heads up, today's uh, podcast will be less research heavy and will mostly allow us to introduce yourselves to you. So we will start off with a round of introductions. So everyone, please introduce yourselves. Uh, hi, everybody. Um, I'm Hawa. I'm the A Moment of Science Please president. Uh, I'm in my second year. I'm a health and disease specialist. Uh, Agia, if you want to go ahead. Okay, sure. So, um, hi, <laughs> I'm the uh, A Moment of Science or a MAS vice president. And I just finished my second year and I also am doing a health and disease specialist with a Spanish minor. So, Mohammed, do you want to go next? I don't want to go next. Hi everyone, I'm Mohammed. I also just finished my second year. I'm in the Molecular Genetics and Microbiology Specialist Program. And that's it. I'm Alice. Um, I'm the content manager and I have just completed my third year double majoring in physiology and health and disease and I'm also minoring in psychology. So I'll also be heading into my first year of graduate school in Masters of Health Science called the Translational Research Program. My name is Anna and I'm content director. I just finished my second year in pursuing a double major in biochemistry and neuroscience. Awesome, thanks. So, and lastly, my name is Margarita and I am a MOSPS uh, treasurer. I am going to enter my third year and I'm pursuing a specialist in pharmacology drugs. Um, so all of us are part of a MOSPS executive team. Uh, now, some of you may be wondering kind of what the purpose of a MOSP is, what our future goals are, and where the idea generally came from. So I was wondering if, Hava, you could clarify that for us. Yeah, so um, I think my beginning or like intro to research really started first year, end of first semester when everyone was like, you need to find a research position for the summer. Um, and I learned about cold emailing and I never realized um, how hard cold emailing is just because we haven't done it before. Um, there's a lot of aspects to it that you have to consider. Um, and something I always really struggled with was reading the papers and making sure that I understood what the researcher was doing or what their lab was about, even though they were part of a department I was interested in. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I learn a lot better when I hear someone speak rather than just reading and absorbing. Um, so it was really hard for me to think about the research just because of the jargon, just because of how complex they were. A lot of the terminology and the concepts I hadn't learned before, even though it was doable, something that I could have done or could have um, helped with. Um, and so I thought that something that where we could, you know, collaborate with researchers or with profs that we've encountered or have research that's very interesting. Um, but, you know, we might be shying away from talking to them or reading about their papers or learning about their work just because it's so complex um, on paper. It might be cool to talk to them and chat with them and see what they have to say about their own research in nicer terms uh, in student vocabulary. So I think a MOSP is a great way um, to reach out and provide other people with that information that we were looking for too, right? Um, I hope all of you agree with that. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. Thank you so much for your very comprehensive answer. I think we're all on the same page and both in that regard. 
So uh, the next thing that you probably guys want to know is how these podcasts will work and where you can listen to them. So I was wondering if, Agia, you could answer that question. Okay, so as Halma mentioned, uh, like the purpose of this podcast is just to like make research more accessible and maybe like easier to understand for students. Don't, doesn't necessarily have to be like undergraduate student, all the students who are looking for research. So the way that we're trying to approach these podcasts is to, ju- is to start by contacting uh, professors for now only in U of T who are doing research actively or have like uh, published some papers recently. So like more recent papers. Um, we're going to contact them, ask them to... Um, be a guest in our podcast and we will basically just have a very uh, casual chat with them about their research, their findings, and just ask them to explain their findings in in words that are more understandable for the students because it doesn't matter how much you uh, have knowledge about a topic, there are definitely going to be some words that you're not going to understand on the papers because it's just like for the experts. And so we already have some guests on our list and so stay tuned for that. And our podcasts are going to be um, on YouTube. Like we will post the Zoom meetings on the YouTube, but we also will post them on like podcast specific platforms such as Spotify, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts. I don't know. We will put it on our Instagram. Everything that we can find, we can. Uh, we will put it on our. Um, uh, social media and one more thing is that we also uh, might have a chat with the professors about the opportunities that they have available on their lab or maybe the colleagues that they know who's looking for students so if you're looking for a research position I'd say these podcasts are going to be really really helpful for you. 100% agree and yes these podcasts will be really readily accessible so you guys don't have an excuse not to watch uh, other than if you're not interested in research for some unclear reason so we hope you're gonna stick with us and we'll find these podcasts useful uh, but thank you so much again for your response that was really helpful and so that will leaves us with one more logistics based question that we need to clarify for you guys and that is, what are the socials that we we keep on mentioning? And where can you follow us to stay up to date on our content? And I was wondering, Anna, since you're our social media person, if you can answer that for us. Thank you, Margarita. We are flexible with it when it comes to social. So you can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, where we will post about our new hosts, topics, and podcast release days. We will also provide with a first-hand advice and guidance for finding a research position, so we will be posting our suggestion on what to include in cold emails, resume, how to contact professors, and other topics that will help you to find your research position. And I think, um, sorry, just to jump in, that how Agia said that we hope to get to a point where we might be able to show research opportunities or showcase research opportunities that might come up. So hopefully we'll get to that point where we can even advertise on our social media of potential research opportunities that have opened up or any sort of opportunity that we're aware of through our connection through professors. Um, and we can share that with our social fan base. Yes, um, Mohammed. Did we get paid for our advertisement? No, unfortunately. <laughs> no? We're, I'm I don't, leaving. We're not CLNX. Yeah. Sorry, guys. 
But we're much easier to use than CLNX because, frankly, that website is not fun to use. No offense to CLNX, and if you guys are watching, my bad. Um, but yeah, awesome. So thank you, Anna, for your response. And that is the last of our logistical questions. So now it will probably be a good opportunity for us to talk about our motivation for participating in research and our previous experience with research. So hopefully this will give give everyone the motivation to um, participate in research to those of you that are listening and to also this will kind of hope to give us some credentials for you guys to continue listening to our podcast so uh, i think let's start off with a bit of a different person this time so i was wondering muhammad if you could perhaps go first don't say no <laughs> i can but i don't wanna uh no i can't okay so um i can talk about europe uh, that actually stands for, I looked it up last night, Undergraduate Research Opportunity Program. You got it. And you may, yeah, you may wonder what's the difference with ROP, because that's Research Opportunity Program. I have no idea. But Europe is basically summer-specific as far as I know. So there uh, we go. We figured it out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so the way it works is it's department-specific. So depends on each department has its own eligibility, but I think as long as you're a student within that department, you're eligible or you have a supervisor in that department. So I think they're pretty flexible when it comes to that. But you basically find the supervisor first and then there are all these forms you have to fill out. They're kind of random, but anyways, no offense to the people who made them. Uh, but so you send them to the department and they get back to you. Uh, they say you got it or you didn't that would be unfortunate, but it's what it is um, No offense to the people who doing, didn't get it But yeah, that's it <laughs> Very helpful. Maybe you can talk about like the payment and so are you getting paid in the Europe Yes, position? and what are you okay. studying this summer since you got the Europe this summer? Oh myself? Yes, uh, I'm working on so uh, my lab is looking at C. elegans, um, and so they just use C. elegans for a variety of different reasons. It's their model organism. But what I'll be doing is, um, one thing they want to do is, okay, this may get a little technical, but uh, there's something about an object called the skeleton of that object. Like, for example, if you have a rectangle, the skeleton is going to be, if you have a very thin rectangle, the skeleton is going to be a line. So. Um, the good thing about the skeleton is that it's a way of representing how an object looks without actually representing the entire object. So you can imagine if you have a C. elegans, it's a worm, it has all these different shapes, say like it looks like this, it, it looks like a U. Uh, you can get the skeleton of the C. elegans to actually analyze its pose. So what I'll be doing during my Europe over the summer is coming up with a way of the skeletonizing C. elegans. It has been done before, but the problem is in some specific positions, like a coil, like if it looks like this, uh, it kind of gets messed up. So I'll be using a new approach to make a skeletons for C. elegans. Hopefully it works. Awesome. It's wow. pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this is an area of research that I don't think any of us have had exposure to so very cool and what motivated you to kind of get into research why'd you choose research the money uh no that's not true uh aren't we all in a well, 
<laughs> exactly. Uh, but anyway, no, jokes aside, um, I got into research uh, kind of by accident, I'm not gonna lie. I found this opportunity uh, last summer, and as Hawa said, we were like, you know, it was at the end of first year, everyone was like, you gotta get a research position and all, and I applied, I got in. And, you know, what, what, when I got in, I realized, you know, this is so cool, you know, you get to work with all these different people, you actually get to make things that are new. I mean, last summer I didn't really make anything that was new, but anyway, I, I, I made a part in making something new. Um, so I kind of fell in love with doing research and I even reconsidered all my career path that I had planned before. Yeah. So, you know, that's what got me into research. Awesome. That is an amazing response. And yeah, for, no, again, nothing against med, but if you guys ever want a different career pathway to med, research is an amazing uh, other option. But don't take it as that. Research shouldn't be an alternative pathway. It should be something that you're obviously interested in. Yeah. And if you're here for the money, you make the wrong decision. Yeah, yeah. no offense, guys. <laughs> You'll be broke. Research is not for gold diggers. <laughs> um, we need... It's for passionate people. Um, I was wondering, Ellis, if you could go next. Sure, for sure. So, I guess I'll start with my motivation. Um, I seeked out to do research because I kind of wanted to see the process or the background image behind cool medical advancements that I see all the time and use. And that got me into the first research step. Um, and I also know that I have a strong interest in medicine. So I was particularly fond of clinical research. Um, that kind of led into my main experience that I had last year with my ROP, Research Opportunity Program, that I took during my third year uh, as a full year course. So I applied to five different projects, and of those, my top choice was, of course, the only clinical research project that I could find out of everything, and fortunately, I did get it. Um, my project was based on um, the Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome contracted to EDS, and the topic specifically that I did on my project was the effects of anxiety on pain perceived by patients with hypermobility and this project had all of its database coming from the Good Hope Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome clinic from Toronto General Hospital. So that was I guess my main experience from research and I think the two main takeaways that I kind of got from this experience was that one, um, research is really integral to the development of new practices and methods that connect between clinical settings and also the basic science behind it. And two, I think that research is really not something that you can learn like a lecture. It's not something that someone can teach you and bring you through step by step. And I think exploration and experience is key to knowing how to approach even the same research question because there's so many ways of doing it. So I think that's my main takeaway from my experience. But still very applicable and hopefully uh, and relatable probably for many people. So thank you so much for sharing your answer. Hava, I was wondering if you can go next. Sure. So um, I think I agree with Ellis and Mohammed that, you know, research is this is this different field that I think 
in a sense is almost hidden we don't really know about it until you're in research like i think research for a really long time just kind of you think of it and you're like you know maybe it's just a couple people sitting behind a lab bench pipetting into like test tubes and you realize it's really not that it's so much more complex and broad um but i think for me it's kind of a mix between the two i was always interested in research in a sense that I wanted to get a chance to get out of the lecture setting and into a hands-on setting where I was actually dealing with data or if it was a wet lab, I was actually hands-on working on something so that I got, I understood, I think it was just to learn about what research was and to see if I actually did like it. Um, And I think partly that motivation to get research comes from the fact that I didn't get so many positions I was applying to. It was kind of like this if I don't get it, then maybe it is as prestigious as I think it is. And I really need to work harder to get it right. Um, And I think that kind of pushed me to continue trying to get research and actually get into the field because I was getting rejected so much first year, Um, despite the circumstances of COVID and everything going on. And the fact that it was only in first year, obviously, it wasn't something that was like problematic, but it was something that was pushing me to continue, you know, just trying to get my foot in the door. And now that I have my foot in the door, I do see that it's so incredible. It's such a big field. Um, There's so many different ways to do research. I think um, back to the idea of like sitting behind a lab bench, it's not like that, right? I mean, I think everybody's doing different projects. Like Mohammed's project with the C. elegance is so different compared to what I was doing this year, right? Like just the fact that we're both in research, but we're doing completely different things. And that's just, I think, the beauty of research. Um, that it's it's so broad and it's such a wide you you can do so much you have ample of room to work um and and again like as Ellis said there's so like medical advancements come from research so being a part of a project or you know just part of a lab that's doing incredible work that you know is going to change people's lives or you know is going to change the way we look at science in the future is just incredible to to think about just processing that I think is just so great too um uh so that was really my motivation but I am currently gonna start a summer research position at sick kids um with the department of burn um sorry sorry the department of plastic surgery in burn therapy um and I'm really excited about that and this this past year I was doing research with (laughs) I was doing research with the department of pgme um which it which was more dry lab or you know data data based where I learned about lit reviews I learned about report writing I learned about um you know collecting and organizing data which was really interesting because I didn't realize how painstaking and how important those pieces were to research um so it's great I I am really enjoying it and maybe we see a career in the future (laughs) um yeah Wonderful. Definitely cool experience. And I think you definitely highlighted how um, much diversity there is in research and that like, as long as you have something you're curious about, you will find something potentially to research about. So I agree 100% with everything you've said and congrats on your summer research position too. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So Agia, would you like to go next? Yeah, sure. So the funny thing is that uh, Alice and I actually work in the same lab this year. Uh, we did the same ROP. And uh, well, I, I also did a thesis on like chronic pain, post-surgical chronic pain. 
Uh, but I'm not gonna talk about the details because uh, Alice already talked about ROP. I want to talk about my previous experience that helped me land this like competitive ROP, which is what we call, I think, private research. So what private research essentially means is that it's a kind of research that is being offered by um, individuals and it's not really affiliated with a specific program or like your university. So because I've well if if I want to like talk about my motivation I've always loved research because I believe research is like the foundation of everything. I know it's like a very philosophical philosophical answer but uh, it's just that everything that is happening is happening because a research was done before on it. So I always love medicine, I love research and like you know my ultimate goal is to have like a research institute of myself maybe sometime in the future. So in my senior year of high school, uh, like um, in the middle of uh, the year, I started like emailing, uh, cold emailing profs, like just random profs, um, and asking them if they wanted me to like volunteer and or even like shadow them just to learn research from them because I don't know I, I was just like very uh, looking forward to getting experience earlier than other students I started in, like in my senior year of high school and well at the time I didn't really have any experience not in research not in cold emailing but I you would have had to start in, in like elementary school to get <laughs> <Yeah>. some research <laughs> yeah and so I, w- I, I was lucky, I'm not going to lie, because I know that cold emailing can sometimes take a long time, but I got an answer like kind of relatively like right, right away. And this prof who works at, uh, actually works in London, Ontario, um, just got me in, but as a volunteer, so I wasn't getting paid. I was just like mostly learning basic research skills such as data entry, data uh, extraction, Things like that, but um, in addition to like gaining these kind of skills, getting familiar with how to work with data, I also got to learn about like the topic of their research. For example, one of the research that they were doing was on uh, Firmingham risk factor, which is basically an algorithm that help insurance companies um, calculate the life expectancy of um, like their customers based on their lifestyle. And so uh, it, it's, it's actually a very old research. It started in a city called Farmingham in England, and then the algorithm keeps developing and developing. So the thing about it was that I actually got to learn because the prof was so nice. He's, he would just like, you know, explain everything, the history and everything to me as he was like teaching me how to do like basic research stuff. And I think that that was how I started research and I, how I kept like um, building my resume in order to get other research positions. So uh, I just want to mention that, well, we in AMOS team, one of uh, our main goal is to just like share our experiences because I know that we come with such a diverse set of experiences with you so that uh, you guys uh, can also start um, finding research positions if you haven't already, so. 100% guys, try cold emailing. Um, I know it's intimidating. Actually, it should be less intimidating. At least they don't know what you look like, so they won't recognize you on the street. It's like, oh, you're that person that sent me that terrible cold email. That won't happen. So, (laughs) (laughs) if they don't know you... The cooler the email, the better. (laughs) So, it's not... You can put it in ice beforehand. It's quite pleasant when you get a response. It's joy. 
<laughs> is that joy or are you actually anyways, laughing? Definitely try cold Mang. Like, okay. it's not intimidating. Well, it might seem intimidating, but it's not. They don't know who you are. It's just like... Especially once you get a nice template ready and yeah. you, you've done it. It is very it is very easy to do. Um, you just have to make sure you nail that template or you have a proper way of, of getting it right. Yeah. And you got to read some papers periodically, which we'll be helping you with. Yeah. So uh, you're all set for cold emailing, guys. Well, li- future listeners. Um, I, I just want to <laughs> add something. Sorry. Yeah, go ahead. Just I want to add something. If you don't have any research experience, I think cold emailing is just like the best way to start because cold email, like people who usually accept the students from cold email do not really look at your GPA or experience. They're mostly looking for your in- interest or an ensu- enthusiasm. So if you don't have any experience, just, you know, I-, I-, I would say just find researchers that you are interested in working with. And once you show your interest in your email, that's everything. That's all that matters. So just one tip. <laughs> Pro tip. Make a template without anyone's name yeah. in it, and then just copy-paste that. Do not copy-paste an email you already sent, because it happened to me. I emailed Dr. A, and it said, Dear Dr. B. <laughs> and that was like, the instant I sent it, I was like, what did I do? Yeah. And I'm glad I haven't seen Dr. B. Like, I've never Thank seen God. him. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> Awkward. It's like, you don't even know my name. How do you want to be in my lab? But... And I think, sorry, I just want to add one more thing. But um, when I when I started cold emailing, I think like there was no at at that point. I don't think there was any like application based research I could find as it is. I think most research, um, if you want to, if it's like summer research or if it's you know, um, I want to say if it's funded research. So if it's like a UROP or or if it's like an ROP. A lot of it requires you to be personal in your in your intent letters or in your in your cold email. So it's very, um, as Agia said, it's about your interest and your enthusiasm rather than just like you know what have you done before or what is your GPA. So I think that's that's a really good aspect to it because you don't need to be you know getting a four point or um you know having like three years of research experience like elementary school research experience in order to get a position 100 percent, i agree completely um i was wondering anna if you can talk about yours now yeah sure so i would like to i would like to begin with my goals so i want to in the future i want to conduct my own research regarding children cognitive cognition and development, as well as I want to contribute to design new therapy for children with ASD. Uh, in the past, I did well, uh, I volunteered in St. Michael Hospital at a Microbiology Lab, where we were testing newly developed anti- antibiotics, and I was primarily doing some uh, I was primarily working with some documents and plotting some graph, but it still gave me some insight about clinical research in the lab setting that I really appreciate. Uh, so for this summer, I'm starting a repeat position at Toronto Early Cognition Lab, where we will uh, research about how children age two, three, how they understand that other people are related without like uh, telling directly them. So my responsibility is going to be to design a stimuli for 
experiments and to meet our research purpose. So basically that's it. Thank you. Uh, those of you who are looking for a research position in 10 years, you may email Anna. She probably has a lot by then. Yeah. <laughs> you guys, you can tell you, oh, we know you we watch your podcast. So connections help. Even yeah. weird ones like this. Yes, you do. <laughs> so, yeah, awesome. Really cool. Mark, do you have any, do you want to talk about your motivations and yeah, your research? Yeah, sure. So, um, I, well, motivation-wise, I do want to pursue a career in research, but my motivation behind doing that, is, well, I have two. So, one motivation is that you basically create new knowledge. This was, this is not my idea. This was uh, said to me by my first year organic chemistry prof so see orgo chem profs can be very nice um and for me i thought you know what that's actually very true this is not something you do in undergrad in undergrad you may mostly reiterate the knowledge that was created by someone else and i thought this is just a really noble cause because knowledge is like it's the foundation of our society it helps ensure that everything goes smoothly so i 100 percent want to be a part of that cause and specifically pharmacology since uh, it focuses on medications and drugs obviously those compounds have massive effect on human health and you're giving me like walter white vibes <laughs> not trying to but yes drugs. Um, no but not drugs no, pharmacology Guys, we are not words. disclaimer. We are not in any way encouraging drugs. No, 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 no. I'm pharmacology is like it studies both harmful and beneficial effects of drugs. You want the good benefit. I personally am interested in the beneficial ones, but again, this is my way of helping people. I would be really happy with that. I don't want to be a doctor, but I think if I do research on medications that will help doctors help uh, people directly. So for me, this is something I definitely want to pursue. And that's why I specifically chose my program. So I do have three research experiences. Uh, well, two and two and one I'm going to complete in the summer. So uh, my first one was at a biomed uh, biomed engineering lab uh, in my first year. So that one was really interesting. I worked with, I actually got in on a connection. So if you guys have connections, don't feel ashamed to use them. There's nothing shameful about it. But uh, so yeah, I got in and I worked on uh, a gel that uh, helped with wound closure of diabetics. So diabetics tend to have uh, really bad wound closure, so this gel would help. And I just created a. I worked on an active on a fluorescent formulation of this gel in order to track its active ingredient throughout the body. This is really important for the pharma pharmacology students. Pharmacokinetics very important um, for for those of you considering pharmacology. And then I also my most recent research experience was through a department course. So it's mine specifically was pcl297 so basically you uh got a cold email <laughs> so i called the email some professors and uh i ended up being do, being in a neuropsychopharmacology lab this was a topic i had no exposure to previously and it was really interesting so i just so since this, it was covid i didn't get any hands-on research but i did learn a lot about um treatments for apples epilepsy and ones derived from cannabis and no cannabis is not always bad you just got to use the active <laughs> ingredients properly i don't like this was not to get high this is to help with seizures um before anyone there's actually a cannabis course just for anybody listening there's a very interesting cannabis course PCL I think it's PCL 
Yes. <laughs> oh, we're promoting yeah. pharmacology department, guys. Yes. <laughs> the benefit of this course, you get half a credit. It goes towards your degree, <laughs> and you get to do some research. So it's more, might be better than taking some random elective course that you don't know, don't find interesting. Because this is definitely interesting, and it's what each department I'm sure has for different years, second, third, fourth. You got it. And uh, this summer, I'm gonna also. I also got to Europe, like uh, Mohammed did. I'll be working in a cancer pharmacology lab, which has been my dream because cancer is nasty. So, <laughs> uh, if there's anything I can contribute to potentially dealing with it, uh, it will be such an honor. And so, yeah, that is uh, my research experience. And this brings us towards the end of our podcast. So now just to end off with a more fun type of question uh, is, uh, and which will be repeated throughout our whole podcast series. And we will be asking all of our researchers this. So stay tuned if you need some inspiration for this answer. So um, basically uh, the question is, what is your favorite scientist and why? So I think let's just start with Hava to maintain the order. Sure. Um, so my favorite scientist probably would have to be Rosalind Frank. Um, Rosalind Franklin, sorry, but she was, <laughs> it's just the abbreviation, but she was the individual who actually discovered Photo 51. And for those of you not familiar with Photo 51, it showed that DNA was actually in the form of a helix. Um, and that kind of paved the way for the future scientists, you know, Watson and Crick, who we learn about, um, who actually discovered the structure of DNA and all that, um, all the bases and how it works. But she was really like, she laid the foundation for it. Um, unfortunately, she never really gets credit because um, technically that it's a photo 51 was stolen. If you have some time, maybe Google, but uh, Google a little bit about photo 51 and you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about. Um, but she is usually snubbed of credit, but she really laid the, the framework for future genetic research. Um, and she paved the way for women in science. So she's really an incredible person. We should learn more about her. Um, <laughs> um so I was wondering, Agia, if you want to go next. Okay, so people who know me already know that my answer is going to be Werner Heisenberg. <laughs> so, yeah, but I watch Breaking Bad a lot, if you haven't noticed yet, but, but the other reason other than Breaking Bad is that, um, uh, well, I, I always love chemistry. I've always been really good at chemistry, especially organic chemistry. I don't want to brag, but I got an in-course scholarship for my organic chemistry in the first year. So, yeah, I'm a, I, 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 uh, at one point in my life, I considered actually like majoring in chemistry, but I didn't. But so the thing is, uh, people who love chemistry also love Heisenberg. So Breaking Bad and chemistry. Uh, are the reasons that's literally what bragging means what yeah word. well <laughs> um heisenberg for life yes <laughs> it's okay sometimes you don't always need to be 100 percent um muhammad do you want to go next my favorite scientist is erwin schrodinger uh, no, don't, don't tell me Aaron, i read that one's um, not real. this book uh, I don't remember the title of the book, but it was like the most famous experiments in science or something <laughs> like that. And I remember when I got to his uh, uh, famous cat experiment, I was like, wow, this is so cool. And also that was the first time I actually felt like I understand quantum. I don't. Uh, it was just an illusion. But 
Uh, Quanto is literally Schrodinger's cat. If you started studying, you understand that you don't understand. If you don't study, <laughs> then you may understand or may not understand. Anyways, uh, and also because of his um, development of the quantum mechanical model of the atom, I thought um, that was also very interesting for me. So, yeah, fair, fair. Uh, Schrodinger definitely gets a bad rap in chemistry courses. I think. Uh, yeah. He's like, oh, geez, this man again, but <laughs> he's a wonderful man. That's some good stuff. Um, Anna, do you want to go next? Yeah, sure. My favorite scientist is Konstantin Falkberg. He's a Russian chemist who invaded Sakharin. So he's mainly my favorite because he made my life sweeter. <laughs> so basically, that's it. Okay, awesome. Uh, sweet and uh, sweet and short. Um, Alice, do you want to go next? For sure, yeah. Um, to be honest, I have a lot of scientists that I love and admire. Um, right now, I think my main focus, uh, or the person who I like to research the most about, is Nikolai Amosov, if I pronounce that name right. Um, and yeah, he is known for inventing numerous surgical procedures for uh, cardiovascular and heart repair. So my interest lies there, yeah. Oh, God. I don't, I've never heard of him, and I'm Russian, so this is kind of sad, but... <laughs> um, and the third Russian to be mentioned in this podcast, um, my favorite guy is, uh, yeah, no, seriously, third Russian dude being mentioned is uh, Dmitry Menzideev. Um, I am Go Russia! Like, so, everyone knows the man, everyone knows his table. What I appreciate is that he sets such a foundation it's and the fact that this apparently came to him in a dream is impressive i think too um <laughs> i don't know what he was smoking the day before but <laughs> um he uh, uh yeah and he's also russian i'm russian he there's also a statue to him in uh kind of in my parent in the place where my parents were born so yeah gotta appreciate Benzidev. he also has a great beard um so and with that uh, with our last russian person being mentioned today um that is all for our first podcast everybody so thank you for those of you listening in thank you so much uh for joining us on our first podcast and we really hope that you'll continue listening to our podcast they will i promise they'll be more serious and more research heavy uh for those of you that actually want to gain some major knowledge from this and uh we really just hope that you'll continue to support us and uh please send us any feedback um and with that we want to just say take care everyone and hopefully see you at our next podcast and bye-bye everybody (laughs)